You're listening to Break the Cycles, where we talk all things motorcycles and speak to ordinary people doing extraordinary things on two wheels. Welcome to Break the Cycles. My name is Jan. And this is Farida. We are joined today by Zahra Abu Ali, also known as Saudi Woman Rider. Zahra is a 30-year-old bioengineer graduate from the Imperial College in London. She is currently working for her family business in Saudi. In a country where women were granted the right to drive only in 2018, Zahra is the first Saudi woman to own a KTM. She created the Saudi Woman Rider uh, Instagram account to bring writers together to support and inspire one another. Zahra, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So tell us a bit about when you started writing. I saw on your blog that that was in Dubai in 2018, I believe. Yes, it was in Dubai. I was looking constantly for a hobby to get myself into. And funny enough, I I was actually planning to get my skipper's license at the time. Um, But somehow it got diverted and I managed to get my motorbike license, which I've used much more than my skipper's license. And that's the origin of my story. That's interesting. Did you know any writers? Like, what made you think of, oh, that's something I want to do? Um, it was actually at a table, and I was discussing how I really wanted to get a boat. Um, and then a friend of mine was like, why do you want to have a boat when you have motorbikes? So I was like, I don't know. I, I never thought about it. And that's how it got formulated. <laughs> interesting. Really? How, how, yeah. How does the... How does the boat and the bike make that connection? I'm 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 not following. I'm not following either. I have no idea. I just really wanted another mean of it, transportation other than a car. And I was desperate to like try something new, something more thrilling. And I love the sea. So that's the first thing that came up in my mind. I never thought I mean when I was younger, I really liked motorbikes. My parents got me a helmet when I was seventeen. Mind you, in Saudi we couldn't drive at the time. But it's kind of a passion that I kind of buried over the years. So it resurfaced in my late 20s. And I was like, okay, yeah, let me just dig back into that. So I think it's something <laughs> I kind of manifested without really being aware of. Interesting. I don't live in that part of the world. So what do you mean when you're not allowed to drive when you were 17? So Saudi was one of the last countries in the world, actually, to allow women to drive. Uh, before that, we used to either Uber or have personal drivers or have our male family members driving us around. It's hard to explain, and it's 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 quite funny when you look back into it. Um, but I wasn't in Saudi for the past 10 years, so I, I left Saudi when I was 18. I got my car license, and then I got my motorbike license uh, all outside Saudi. So and up until now, actually, Saudi doesn't issue motorbike licenses. So I'm, I'm driving using my UAE uh, motorbike license. We're working towards it. I hope uh, something happens very soon. Uh, I'm sure they're working to issue them very soon. I heard one of the schools in Saudi here is buying a, a bunch of bikes to start training women to ride. It's something we're looking forward to uh, very much. And a lot of women also have been in touch with me on, through my account asking me where, where can they get their motorbike licenses from. It's not possible now. Most, hmm. all the Saudi ladies or ladies that live in Saudi that ride motorbikes have their motorbike licenses issued from 
another countries. They used to go to Bahrain to issue it, or they used to go wow. to UAE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still working on it. Yeah, we're still working on it. It's baby steps. I think they prioritized cars first. It was a huge step for the country to accept it, mm-hmm. you know, for the communities to accept it. So I'm sure motorbikes is on the way because women are already on the streets on their bikes. So yeah, yeah, there are a lot of women I'm seeing, uh, like surprisingly, a huge number of Saudi women riders now. Uh, so I didn't even think that they can't get their license in Saudi. But if you're pulled over, your Emirati or your uh, Bahraini license is accepted. Like, is that are you considered yeah. legally riding? Yeah, we are. Uh, so my bike is registered under my name. Uh, which is oh, good. completely okay. legal and yeah for for bikes exceptionally we can use foreign licenses yes so tell me about the riding you got done in dubai after getting your license wow we've done plenty i've done most of uae on my bike i was with a group of girls and i think they're I thank them a lot for all the learnings that I've had. Um, the feeling of a, a sense of community in the riding world, I've kind of grew with those girls. I don't know where to start. I mean, we started as three girls, and then now we're more than 12 girls, and we were the only all-girls riding group in UAE until wow. now, I believe. We have done a lot. We've done a lot of charity work. We were part of the Women Riders World Relay, which is the world's hugest uh, relay that took over a year to finish across, I believe, 73 countries, but I have to uh, recall the number. So there was like a GPS tracker that was being moved by lady bikers across countries. So it started in Scotland. And it ended in the UAE, so we, we did the, la- the last leg over three days. Uh, wow. So we organized that. So it was a lot of uh, organization. It was a lot of skills that we've gained. And we marshaled the ride as well. I can't remember the number of the girls that joined, but we had girls from Australia, the US, um, Oman joining the, the leg from Saudi. Hmm. It was amazing. So we, we've been really active before COVID kind of strike. <laughs> And then it's all just gone temporarily, I hope. So did you ride much during COVID or? We have. Yeah, yeah. Because riding wasn't considered as a restricted activity in Dubai. So we used to ride at that time. And uh, when COVID started, I was still in Dubai. And then I, I, I moved back to Saudi during COVID. But we've never stopped up until the 24 hour lockdown. And then we started getting back to it. But in Saudi, I came and lockdown was already over. So we could we were riding already in, in Saudi. And that was, I think, a completely new chapter from where I was in, Dawa, in Dubai. That was your first time riding in Saudi then, huh? Uh, it wasn't. I, I came before in 2019, end of 2019, to, to support the WRWR. So we kind of did a support a promotional um, event to kind of invite mm-hmm. people in Saudi to UAE. And at that time, we kind of organized the ride from Harley-Davidson up to Half Moon, which is uh, kind of a road that goes through the beach and back to, to Harley-Davidson. So that was my first ride, and that was exciting. Oh, that nice. was unbelievable, actually. I, could, I never in my life imagined that I would be riding a motorbike in Saudi. Ever. Ever. <laughs> That's awesome. And then, so that's, and then you said you moved during quarantine 
and then you kind of got that bike. I'm trying to see, I'm trying to link that KTM. <laughs> so, so I'll tell, I'll tell you exactly what happened. <laughs> I moved back to Saudi with none of my belongings. I moved back to Saudi thinking I'm moving for, I'm, I'm staying only for three weeks max. I never went back to Dubai until now. That was Whoa. April. That was May, 2019. My bike was there, my car was there, everything was there. So my bike kind of got stuck because I deregistered it and I couldn't move it back to, to Saudi. By the same time, um, with my friends here in Saudi, we were discussing going on a long, long trip. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking, okay, maybe my 883 isn't really going to be that comfortable. Let me look for an alternative. So I was looking for adventure bikes just because I knew for Saudi, I needed something a little bit more, you know, something that could withstand the kind of harsh environment mm-hmm. um, and the roads in Saudi. Cause not every road in Saudi is, is, is smooth and sleek like Dubai. Mm-hmm. I was aware of that. So I, I started looking and I've, I've been to a couple of dealers I didn't have a good experience with the with the bikes, and then I I went to KTM. But I've always thought of KTM. Uh, I just liked the the way they looked, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> until I tried them, so I've tried the bigger one, the 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 one thousand two hundred ninety, and then I tried the seven ninety, which I couldn't land my feet fully on the on the twelve hundred. So seven ninety was kind of a a better a better fit for me. So that's that's basically how I made my decision. And the bike is just amazing. And the stuff it's it could do on the sand is just infinite, which I haven't started yet. So it's kind of heading two birds in one stone, starting a new hobby within the hobby you do, getting off-road and, and going um, on long tours and stuff. So that's, that's what really got me into KTM. And you knew for a fact that you were the first Saudi woman owning a KTM then? Yes. I was so close with another <laughs> lady. She, she got a, she got, she, she actually, uh, she actually got her bike at the same time I got mine, but officially I was the first to, to, to own a, a KTM in Saudi. Yes. But we were so close and I didn't even know <laughs> I mean, I, it wasn't my goal to be the first, honestly. I'm, I'm never that type that goes like, oh, yeah, I want to be the first. I want to be, you know, I want to be everywhere. But it, it, it just happened. So I might as well embrace it. Own it. it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you guys are making history. So, you know. Zahra, you talk about a 10-day trip that was 2,000 kilometers, which is around 1,200 plus miles in Saudi. And... Just for the listeners that don't know, Zahra kind of touched up about how the roads in Saudi are not all beautifully paved like the ones in the United Arab Emirates or here in the U.S. So this girl was kind of already going to be, she knows she's up for like a, even the street riding part was going to be an off-road experience. (laughs) So tell me about that. And tell us more importantly about the time of year you did that because Saudi gets very humid and hot. We're talking about. 90 to 100 degrees or more so when did you do it and so we did it at the end of march and that's kind of the cutoff for the weather so people usually stop doing any trips after that unless you know you're you're very dairy and 
you've got a body of a lizard. We were around seven people and we were two girls, three guys and uh, a couple. So, so um, a guy and his wife behind him. There wasn't like so much detailed organization when, when it happened. So one of my friends was responsible for organizing the route. He's been on, on a couple of trips in, in Saudi. The logistics and whatever, it was all being prepared for him. So I kind of jumped on the on the boat. I was like, yes, I'm, I'm going to be able to do it. Let's do it. There were really no preparation of what we were expecting on the road. We knew we had to be safe in terms of safety gear, but we didn't know that we had to, for example, get our our water supply on our backpacks. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Like there, there are little details that we 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 kind of had to learn on the go. Mm-hmm. So in terms of preparation, we were we were mentally prepared to go on a long trip. But we weren't prepared to anything happening. For, oh, that's that's on my that's on my um, on my side. They they mm-hmm. were much more experienced than me. They've done Europe tours. They've done all sort of tours. For me, this was the longest ride and I've ever done on my bike. So in terms of preparations, I packed. <laughs> uh, that's all I've done. And um, we shipped the bike. Uh, we flew to the bikes a couple of days after that. And then, uh, and then we started our trip. Wait, when you say you flew, where did you fly to? So we shipped our bike to Hayid. So Hayid is around northwest Saudi. And we met our bikes in Hayid. It's around four-hour flights or three-hour flights. Oh, wow. Because um, okay. we flew to Jeddah, and then from Jeddah we flew to Hayid. So it was quite mm. a couple of hours of flights. And then from... Hired, we stayed over a night, and then the next morning we made a move to a historical area called Domitagenda. So mm-hmm. every day we kind of crossed either f- between 400 and 600 kilometers every day. Wow. So that's the total comes up to, yeah, to 2,000 kilometers. And another thing I haven't done was I haven't done the 1,000 um kilometer service on my bike <laughs> so 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 on the first ride i the 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 warning sign showed up on my screen and i panicked i was like oh my god i'm so underprepared and i didn't tell anyone so i had to call i had to call one of my engineering friends and i had to explain to him because i didn't want to tell the guys on the trip that, oh my god this is like the first day and she comes up with her problems <laughs> uh so yeah so I, he said it's fine or about it it's just a it's a regular checkup for the bike i mean i think I'm, he was calming me down i think um thousand kilometer service is typically just oil changes and making sure that everything's torqued properly so it's That's more like a, yeah it's, it's a safety <laughs> check and other other than that i mean like i i, I wouldn't sweat it i really wouldn't sweat it <laughs> See, that's my first new bike. My old bike was secondhand, so I had to go yeah. through this, you know. <laughs> but they've told me exactly what you told me, so now I now I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not it's not that big of a deal. You definitely want to change the oil because um, all the initial break in they have like little metal shavings inside the oil. You just want to clean it out, but beyond that, it's not. It's day one of her 10-day trip. I would panic and really want that oil changed. 
yeah, there you go. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Oh my god, it's my new bike. It's my new bike. I'm gonna ruin it, you know? Why is the sign on my on my screen? I don't wanna see this for ten days, you know? <laughs> well, at least when you called for help, your friends explained it. When I would panic and I have something on my bike show up and I ask Yun. And he would send me to do my research, which now pays off because I know more. I had to buy the manual. I had to Google. And some of these terms meant nothing for me. I remember buying brake pads and not knowing that you need two of that. And then I go to him. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't so, know that, right? So I'm learning too. <laughs> see, but at least your friends answer your questions. Uh, you know, I had to do my research and go back to him. So super ashamed of how I did it all wrong. <laughs> we have Amazon Prime. You just send it right back, and then they send you. <laughs> That's his rationale. <laughs> it's free learning. Free learning process. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think on the go you have the time to do your research. That's true. You just no, want an right. instant answer. True. Right. True. No, fair enough. So you continued with that little warning sign showing up i continued yeah we continued uh, i've told the 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 organizer about it so he also calmed me down i have to just in case anything happens you know <laughs> so we kept going and going and going and and see being amazed by the beautiful landscapes of saudi i couldn't believe my eye what i was seeing honestly so you say you did about three to four hundred kilometers a day what kind of terrain are we talking about because of course that makes a huge difference in regards to how many you know the kind of riding condition it is um we had we had everything we went through everything we except for rain and snow so the first couple of days were good though the weather was amazing um the sun wasn't and it also depends on what time of the day we used to leave if we left a little bit later the direct sun would hit us and it'd be a little bit more more hot the first days of the trip were fine we had a huge sandstorm in the middle of the trip which we had to stop in a gas station where it had a deserted uh, restaurant it was called Kabul restaurant but it wasn't really a restaurant it was just a it's a like a broken room with broken tiles and a bird nest in the corner and the counter for the restaurant which was empty and like a, a ground seating for, for, for people to lie in, which I didn't because it looked like it had lots of insects and bugs. So, but, but no one cared. Everyone laid down, but I'm just germophobic. So I was just like sitting there, like <laughs> waiting for the sandstorm, like staring at I'm sit on my bike. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a big sandstorm. We had to drive, we had to ride through it for, for some time. And so we had to have a little bit of a, a lesson. I had to have to have a lesson by by the our leader, um, the guy that was leading the the ride. So you kind of want to stay in the middle of the road when you ride in a sandstorm. Don't go to the to to, to the edges of the road because the winds kind of want to keep you want want to move the bike around. So you want to maintain where you are. That was kind of a le big learning for me, uh, riding through sandstorms. And, and I was seeing the bikes all, like, riding at an angle in front of me. I'm like, oh, my God, am I riding like this also? <laughs> so, yeah, so that was, I think that was that was one of the first things that I've had to learn also during during this trip 
is how to control your bike in a sandstorm. Yeah, so the bike the bike is like tilted, but you're going straight, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 a really weird feeling when I first experienced it too. Um, down in Nushaya was 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 super windy for me, and it, it was like the whole time I was like a forty five degree lean, and then like I'm going straight. I was like, this is kind of weird feeling. <laughs> It's so weird, and it looks yeah. weird as well. And you see all the bikes right. going, <laughs> going right. it, like it, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also in a sandstorm, you get a really nice scrub in your body. So if you have any kind of <laughs> openings um, in your in your jacket or like in your neck, then you really get a, a perfect Moroccan scrub on you. <laughs> <laughs> What does that mean? No, as in like a proper scrub, because Moroccans have a really nice uh, body scrub. Like um, you can get a really good body scrub uh, in Morocco okay. or in any like Moroccan Like sand or mud. Yeah, exactly. So, so, she's, so... <laughs> she's being sarcastic that the sun, the sand would sneak into her gear, and it was as if she was at a spa getting a proper scrub. Uh, oh, I just didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't get the reference of uh, the Moroccan scrub. I didn't understand what what, what that uh, was. Sorry, yeah, is that, I should have uh, told her. Jan gets the more like the uh, what is it called when you get the when you're changing tires, Jan? That's more of the scrub he gets. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> the hand wash. That's the only scrub I know of. Take the Gojo cream and wash your hands, Jan, please. All right, no, you should try a Moroccan scrub one time, a Moroccan <laughs> bath. You like that, trust me. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just come out of Saudi during a sandstorm. It's the same thing. <laughs> that's more likely. That sounds more of what he could do. <laughs> yeah, I actually would be very interested to see what it feels like to ride through a sandstorm. That would be so cool. That would be an experience. It is. Yeah, it is. Uh, so tell me, where were you guys sleeping every day? Because you said it sounds like you're not gonna just put down your sleeping bag and sleep anywhere with that germaphobic. Uh... <laughs> yeah, we we got yeah. some um, uh, furnished uh, apartments. We got some hotels. We stayed in a farm in Adurla, which we had to change because of, of me being germaphobic and uh, realizing that some of the people on the ride were also germaphobic. Um, so, it, it, but it was a nice farm. It was in Al-Ula. So Al-Ula is, is one of the main cities in Saudi that is being turned into a historical um, uh, touristic area. Mm. Uh, it's had the Al-Maraya building, which is the, the biggest uh, mirror building in the world. Uh, it, got a, it actually made it, for the, uh, made it to Guinness World Record. Mm. So, so Alula has the um, city of uh, Madan Saleh. So Madan mm-hmm. Saleh goes back to the uh, Byzantineen. It's it's an extension of the civilization of Al Petra in in uh, Jordan. Jordan. We stayed there three three nights because it was it was an interesting place and it had a lot to do, which I've only managed to tour for two days because of an incident we had on my bike which i had to spend the whole day a whole night zahra uh, was that your key <laughs> incident no it really, was, no okay no no it was 
it was it was actually one of the gas stations on the way to Adorla. So just to give you a little bit of uh, imagination, the gas gas stations aren't very well maintained. So so this gas station it was very unmaintained to the extent that it didn't have diesel or gas on on the on the pumps. So we all parked our bikes. I parked my bike and I left the the tank open and I, I had to run to the restroom and I asked my friend to fill the tank. I came back and I and my friend came to me and he was like, I felt diesel in your in your tank. Oh <laughs> so I was like, What? He was like, Yeah, it's yeah, I felt diesel, but it's just like a, a small cup and like it, the, the sun was like getting more direct, so we really had no time to do anything. We were in the middle of nowhere. It's like, look, it's just like a small cup, like three, 300 milliliter. Like, it should be nothing. And I was like, I don't know. I've, I don't know. I don't know what that means, by the way. I had no idea. So, like, all the elderly in the group, I was less asking for, for, for any kind of advice on what to do. And they were all like, oh, let's dilute it. <laughs> let's fill gas into it. And let's keep going. So at that time, at that stage, I didn't call my friend, my engineering friend. So because I was like, okay, we're in the middle of nowhere. Let me just like do what they were the same. So we felt gas and we kept going. We arrived to Lula. Uh We stayed for the first night in the farm. The next day, I was turning on my bike and it wasn't like turning properly. So <laughs> so I was like, okay, it's fine. I kept it between me and myself. So we went on a small ride, and I was feeling there's something wrong with my bike. It's just it doesn't I it doesn't have power. It's mm-hmm. everyone's like shooting, and I'm like my bike isn't really. And it was have it like a, a white smoke was coming out of my exhaust. Oh god! There I felt there's something wrong. I was like no, I have to do something at this stage. Uh, so we went to at a restaurant. We sat in the restaurant, and I spoke to two of my engineering friends this time because I had to make sure. And both of them were like, drain it. Yep. You've got to, you've got to drain it. You shouldn't yep. have moved. Just drain it immediately. Yep. But I kept filling it. So the good thing is that's what, what my friend told me is that diesel kind of is has a less less mass. So it goes on top. So it, it shouldn't go into my engine if I kept filling it. Tell me if there's something else I should know. <laughs> it depends on where your pickup pump is. So, like, if you run the fuel to a certain level and then your pickup pump is at that level, it's going to suck the diesel straight in, even if it does flow to the top. Yeah. <laughs> if it's very little, it probably is fine. But if it's, like, a lot, like, you it run it for like a while. It sounds like it was little. Yeah. It sounds so. like it was little. That, so, what day was that? Like, that's day what? That day, that's day probably seven. Seven oh, wow. or okay. yeah. So we were already in our last destination before heading back to High and so we're in Lola. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had to move the bike into a corner behind behind the restaurant. It was three of us. It, so my, my engineering friend was on my, on FaceTime showing us how to drain it because he works with uh, KTM. So so we we saw how to drain it and and we we had thank God we had the tools with us so we were in the corner draining the bike and i it's funny thing 
I saw a couple of boys, so I asked them to go and buy me those really big bottles of water. So we drained the the gas and diesel into it. So, so I gave them money, and they went. And while they were going, I was like, "Wait, how 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 do do I make sure you're coming back?" So the boy was like, "I'm leaving my brother here," and he literally left his little brother with us. <laughs> <laughs> So they went and they came back with the water. They were so cute. Alerla kids are the nicest out of all the areas we've been to. Alerla kids were like so sweet and so polite and so nice. So, yeah. So we were draining it. Um, and then a guy that was living on, on in the house across the street came to us. Um, he was super nice as well. Um, he was like, I come, come into my house. I've got tools. I've got everything you need. People were really, really nice and supportive. So, but we managed to drain. We managed to fill some fuel injector to like clean it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, bike was I mean, was doing really good after that. Now, good for you that you trusted your instincts, and I'm glad the group kind of stopped what they're doing to help you. Yeah. Well, I mean, half of them went uh, into sightseeing and seeing the the elephant rock. So that's one of the main. The touristic uh, places in Alola, which I haven't mm-hmm. had the chance to take a photo next to, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I had bigger issues <laughs> to deal with. <laughs> Saving my KTM, or else I won't be the first Saudi to keep her ATM. <laughs> KTM. Totally, totally. So, you have any uh, other trips planned coming up? I mean, like, you know, I know you have to get your surgery. How, how long? How long before that? when you recover what you need before you can ride again? Probably two two months, two to three months, which is actually a good time because usually in the summer we don't do a lot of rides uh, in the Gulf. So we usually go back into riding properly in October and or end of October. So I think it just fits the agenda. Uh, my next planned trip is actually to ride from Saudi to back to Dubai to see my friends. Uh, that's seven hours. And then from, from Dubai, we want to head to Amman, Muscat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of, kind of pick up my friends and, and, and head to Muscat, but, but all depends on COVID uh, regulations, whether borders are going to be open or not, but that's kind of a outside Saudi trip. Inside Saudi, there is a there is a plan to go south. So south of Saudi, it's um, it's kind of cold in, in in summer, and it's all hilly and Pinhair roads, and it's it's just amazing. Uh, it's an amazing scenery. It's uh, the city we're planning to go to is Abha. But um, we would have to wait, I think, for next summer if we, want, we need to. Well, obviously, we need to do it in the summer because during winter time it's kind of rainy and um, isn't suitable for for riding. Yeah, these are these are the two main plans. Other than that, nothing yet. I don't know my geography very well, so I'm looking at the map. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Wait, laughs> well, let's take it one step at a time. Saudi to Dubai. Who would you be going with? Because that's not a that's not an easy one. That's a that's a trek. Like, is it a yeah? Uh, so I've got friends in Riyadh that are planning to do the same. 
So planning okay. to meet in my city because Riyadh is the capital of Saudi. It's in the middle of in the center of Saudi. So it takes four hours to drive from Riyadh to to Damam, and then from Damam to Dubai is seven hours. Oh, I did not realize it was that close. Yeah, so my city is quite close to to UAE because you're on the on the edge. Your demand yeah. is on the okay. That makes sense. And oh, that's actually really that's going to be a fun one. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, it would be fun, and especially stopping in Dubai after such a long time that would be fun as well. But yeah, uh, Zara, one last thing I've been meaning to ask you. You guys use Senas or any communication Bluetooth devices in your helmets? Okay, so we have a kind of experience with that <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on, the, on the WRWR. And I think after that event, we were all traumatized and we never really connected <laughs> to each other. <laughs> so yes, we... we <laughs> What happened? Okay, now you can't leave us like that. No cliffhangers on the show. We need the whole story, please. Oh, I mean, if any of the girls hear this, I think they're going to just laugh. It was just, it was like a really long ride to organize, right? And we were like spread out between the girls as as like marshals. So, so we were trying our best to keep people, you know, where they were. So, and, and the people in front couldn't hear people in the back and I was in the middle so I could hear everyone and mm-hmm. everyone was just like screaming and like, there was a lot of miscommunication, people that spoke Arabic, but people who couldn't speak Arabic. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, well, maybe in that case, because it was, it sounds like there were so many people involved, but like on your trip, when you did that trip uh with around you said seven or ten people where every two three connected at least just so we we didn't connect but we called each other whenever we need to yeah yeah we called each other Mm. whenever we needed to we did that oh that's good to know so there there was cell phone reception at least yeah yeah yeah. we had that so yeah typically when typically when i ride in like in groups it's always just the front and rear for sure connected and then everybody else is like kind (laughs) of Uh, as long as the front and the last person knows where everybody's going, and it's okay. Or I'll just stay behind Diana and make sure I'm connected to him. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the group can do their thing. <laughs> like, I'm not writing when I'm not connected. <laughs> Someone in my ear. <laughs> well, Zara, this was lovely. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your experience on the road with us on Two Wheels. Thank we appreciate it. Thank you for having it. me. Thank you for having me, guys. That was cool. And really, um, your podcast is, is amazing. When I was right after I broke my phone, I was listening to it and I was like, Oh my god, I feel like I'm on a, I'm on the trips with these guys, you know? It really takes oh. you places and there's a lot to learn from them as well because everyone is sharing their experience and that's what we kind of need our us amateurs who haven't done long trips uh, as much. So keep going, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For your feedback. Thank you for listening to Break the Cycles. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button and join us next time on Break the Cycles.